This is episode 192 of the Relate Podcast on dancing with your creativity and potential with Jilda Joffe. We are spending more and more time in the online world, looking through our screens and increasingly disconnected with those around us. But studies have proven that it's real-life meaningful relationships that bring us the most joy and happiness. It's all about human connection and conversing with people from a variety of backgrounds. Worlds change when eyes meet. So let's sit down and relate. I am your host, Patrick McAndrew, and welcome to another episode of the Relate Podcast, episode 192. Today, we have an amazing guest joining us on the show. I connected with her a little while ago because she left a message for me talking about how much she enjoyed one of the episodes. Her name is Jilda Joffe, and Jilda has been teaching and coaching for more than 25 years and profoundly understands the emotional difficulties and fears which female executives and performers in any scenario experience. She has worked with hundreds of people who wish to improve and develop their business potential and confidence. As a public speaker, consultant, and business trainer with a dance, vocal, and music background, Jilda is well-equipped to understand the emotional dilemmas that people face under situations of fear and stress. Jilda has also had an extensive music career, having received her BM and MM degrees from the Juilliard School of Music in New York, and she traveled around the world playing violin for a wide variety of different venues. It really is amazing, and we dive into a little bit of that today, just talking about her travels and what she learned from her travels. We discuss how she went from being a musician to a coach, really how she believes we can overcome our fears and our difficulties, the biggest things that hold people back, how we can manage fear and stress, what both her travels and music taught her about people and how they inform her coaching work today. This is a really great episode. If you like it, be sure to share it with a friend who you think it might resonate with. So without further ado, let me please introduce today's guest of Relate, Jilda Joffe. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Relate Podcast. Today, we have an amazing guest joining us. Her name is Jilda Joffe. Jilda, thank you so much for being with us on the show today. Thank you so much, Patrick. I'm really happy to be here. I'm very excited to be chatting with you today. We had the opportunity to connect a little while ago after you had been uh, listening to the Relate podcast, and uh, you had sent me a message letting me know your thoughts. And after doing that, I, I looked up you and, and your work and was just amazed at, at all the things that you have done within your life, the things that you are currently doing as well. And I think it's very much right in line with what we talk about on this show. We talk a lot about the importance of 
of meaningful relationships, uh, both with others and ourselves. And I think that relates a lot of what you do in your coaching work. So I'm very excited to have you here today. Oh, thank you, Patrick. I'm excited to be here. So I'm wondering if you could just uh, start off by sharing with our listeners just a little bit about yourself. Tell us about yourself and your journey and how you went to from being a musician to a coach. Well, they're kind of intertwined. I had a pretty long career as a violinist, um, international concerts, and I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed the performances. I enjoyed the connection with audiences. And after that, I had a very long career teaching people. And what I really enjoyed out of most of that was helping people get beyond the obstacles which kept them from reaching their creativity in terms of the music. I found myself trying to help people to get to their most inner selves so that they could express their music. But there was a lot of work to be done before they could actually do that. And that work with them is really what kind of commanded and commands my attention now. It's what led me to make this segue into working with people to get rid of the obstacles that they create for themselves. So it was kind of like a hyperlink from my performing career to working with people's inner parts so they could, they could express those in an outward manner. But it was more interesting to me to do that than to actually teach another lesson on Brahms or Beethoven, something like that. There was a time for that, but it became more intrinsically interesting to break the chains that people create for themselves. Yeah, you, you bring up a really good point about how we are the ones that create the chains for ourselves. I think that a lot of times, a lot of times people don't realize this, that that when they get stuck, when they are facing fear and stress, a lot of times it's through their own making. Yes, maybe something within our environment affects us to a certain degree, but it really is, as you said, chains of our own making. You coach people on overcoming these emotional difficulties. And just through your experience, I know you have a lot of experience talking with a wide variety of different types of people. What do you believe are the biggest things that hold people back? Well, I think there's a two-pronged answer to that. One is the environmental factors which they have grown up, whether it's something that's happened in their own environment uh, by people around them who have put thought patterns into their head which are not very helpful, such as, oh, you're stupid, or you're not creative, or you'll never do this, that kind of thing. And then there are the societal patterns which say, you're not really the kind of person, whatever society is saying, that can do that or be that or think that. And both of those prongs are extremely destructive, especially when you take in that information as a young person. And by young person, I mean anybody really from the age of two on, because that sinks deeply into our psyche. And what it does is to create boundaries which were never there to begin with, but which subsequently, like a pearl in an oyster, become the chains which bind us later. Oh, yeah, there's so much depth in that, too, that, you know, that I, I really want to unpack a lot is that 
you know, I, I, I think that a lot of people, and especially artists too, and I think people that just want to go on a different path from the standard norm face this a lot where, like you were saying, they kind of face that criticism and they don't necessarily fit into the traditional mindset of what success means. Uh, you know, it's kind of going off the, the, the beaten path a lot. And do you think that it is primarily because of the outside influences that people, you know, struggle with that fear and stress? Or do you think it's also something more than just that? Well, I think the main part of it comes from the outside because we are always judged by other people. And as an artist, you're always judged for your next role, for your next concert, for your next dance role by competition. Right. So competition has a very large hold over people's way of thinking about themselves. The way someone else, their subjective attitude towards you is something that people internalize from a very young age. If they don't win this competition, they don't think they're good. If they don't get the 0.0008% better uh, mark in the Olympic championships over the other person, they're not better, even though they're maybe one of the best in the world. Our thoughts about ourselves are always influenced by someone else's decisions about our worth as artists. Or even if you're a potter in your own garage, there are people that come, your neighbors, and say, well, that's really, you know, that's not really too good. Have you really thought about just quitting? Things like that, little statements, can make a huge impression on our ability to let our own potential come forth. So I do think it's much more of an external trap that's laid for us, which then becomes internalized extremely quickly. It's amazing, actually. I, I, it's very interesting how you put this because when you take a step back and really analyze it in, in much the way that you are, are discussing, it's amazing how you, you're absolutely right. I think that a lot of times we internalize what the toxic things are people are saying to us. And I love how you bring up competition as well, because I believe that in a lot of cases, sometimes competition can be a little toxic. Although then you also hear the, the phrase healthy competition. I'm wondering if you could speak to that a little bit. How do you find that balance between healthy competition and then competition that could be really toxic to your well-being? Well, I'm a little bit biased because I'm not a great proponent of competition in general, especially the com kind of competition which people go forth hoping that it's going to put up their name in lights and make their career the golden career. If it's competition that encourages you to do your best for yourself and to really push yourself to go a little further than you might have gone without it, that's healthy competition. However, if you're using competition as a means to be just better than someone else, or to be more famous than someone else, or even to get more opportunities than someone else, then I think it's a very dangerous uh, game that one is playing. 
because opportunities in life do not necessarily come always because someone else gives them to us. Opportunities can come because we create them, and that does not need competition to happen. That just needs a little imagination and creativity and doggedness and determination, but it doesn't need someone else to give us permission. Yes. Oh, I love that so much. That That is such an important point, and I hope our listeners are really uh, jot, jotting that one down because it's so important for us to remember the importance of creating opportunities for ourselves and and creating work. I mean, especially in the arts as well. I feel like uh, a lot of times people who do end up becoming successful, especially nowadays, just with the internet and everything, so many of them will say, create your own work. If you want to have a fulfilling artistic career, creating your work is such a large part of that. And as you were saying, it's not necessarily waiting for someone to give you that opportunity. So I, I just want to stress that that's, it's so important to keep that in mind. Absolutely. I agree with that. The best opportunities don't necessarily come when someone promises them to you as a result of a prize. The best opportunities really come in your, from your own creativity and with collaboration with others who are thinking in the same ways that you are. It doesn't need to come with, a, with again, with a prize or someone affirming your worthiness. Ah, oh, that's it's so important. That's so important. I love that. You know, uh, Jilda, you were talking a lot about, you know, how people come up against these stresses and these fears in their lives. As you were saying, it's oftentimes from outside influences that we then internalize really on on a high level. So how do you believe we can manage or best manage fear and stress? I think the first thing we need to realize about fear and stress is that they are not intrinsically part of ourselves. They are something which has been placed upon us or which we have unconsciously accepted. But they are not something which is part of us that we can never get rid of. Our true self is not a person that has stress or that has anxiety. Those are things which have taken place on us like barnacles on a boat. But we can scrape them off and we can do that by really looking at our mindset and the way that we think and the patterns that we've created. Because whatever patterns we've created, we can uncreate them. It's not that we're stuck. The brain, the brain has been shown to be extremely pliable and we don't have to go in the same neural loops and the same stress uh, management. We may still have the same stresses, but we don't have to react to them in the same manner. And that is something that many people don't realize that they do not have to be a prisoner of the same types of internal behaviors which they have manifested in the past. Right, right. This is so crucially important. And I think you you bring up a really good point about fear and stress not being a part of us, that it's something that is learned. And I, I absolutely agree and resonate with that a lot. 
it's it's really picking up from the environment around us and i feel like a lot of times we're part of this busy culture where we always feel like we need to be super busy and that is added stress and that's learned stress and we really learn from the the people and the environment around us it's it's very interesting to look at it that way absolutely and people often think that if they don't have a certain result that they're hoping to get, that there is going to be some kind of doom and gloom as a result. And I think people need to remember that there can be more than one result in life than what you actually wish for, which can be just as wonderful for you, if not more, that there are many different variables. It's like an experiment. You don't know exactly what's going to happen, but you do know that eventually you will find the path that you are searching. So you don't need to stress if you didn't get this audition, if you didn't get this role, if you didn't get accepted to the gallery, if you didn't, 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 didn't. There is no one result which creates your future. Only you can do that, but there are myriad pathways to get there, and that should take some of the stress off if people really realize that. Right. Uh, it's so important to, to keep that in mind. Uh, Jilda, what I really love about the, the work that you do is that you have this background in the arts that I think informs a lot of your work. And not only this background in the arts, but you also had the opportunity to travel extensively as a musician. It's it's amazing how many exciting places that you've been throughout your career. So I'm wondering, with that said, if you could share with us, what do you believe music, as well as travel, has taught you about people? That's a great question, and it's not really an easy one either, because I think travel teaches everyone different things. I think what it's taught me is that no matter what language we speak, no matter where we live, no matter even how we've been brought up, we all have the same intrinsic desires to express ourselves and to have a life that's meaningful to us. We all have the same fears. It really doesn't make any difference whether you were born in the north of Sweden, where there's always a lot of snow, it seems, or in the sunny climes of Italy. Everybody faces the same kind of emotional blocks and emotional joys. And they simply come in different packages. The beauty of traveling is that not only do you see different places, but for me, you can become a different person depending on those travels. Wherever I have been, I have always encountered different Gildas when I was there. Gildas that I never would have met had I not gone to that place and experienced myself outside of where I normally would be. Yeah, it's amazing just how much you could learn while traveling. And I think, too, the, the experience of it is not only how much you learn about other people, but then also how much you learn about yourself as well. And you go to these different cultures and there are so many stark differences, but then you also find that, wow, okay, there's actually 
a lot more similarities too than you might th- you know initially think this is this is absolutely true and one of the aspects i really enjoy the most is seeing how people express different parts of themselves in different cultures which is so different than our culture in the united states and i just enjoy seeing people open up flower within their own milieu and it might be completely different than how i would express myself in a similar situation but again i'm seeing a different facet of the diamond that we're calling humanity and it allows me to find as i mentioned before a different facet of myself so it's an exploration not only of a culture but of my own being and that's what's been so fascinating in my travels yes i love how you put that an ex- exploration of your own being i think that that is absolutely what it is and i i think and jill that i could tell too just through the way that you're talking about your work and what you've done is that you you approach the world with an open heart and i feel like when we approach the world in that way we get so much in return as well well this is something which is my passion really because i've seen so many people suffering in my profession i've seen a lot of colleagues suffering and i myself i'm not going to say i had an easy time of it because i don't know any artist in any field that's had an easy time of it. Everybody has gone through anxiety. Everybody has gone through performance anxiety. Everybody's gone through stress and self-management and auditions and you name it, we've all gone through it. But what lies in back of that is the really small voice that says, does anybody see me? Does anybody hear me? Am I worth it to anybody in this world? And when I deal with adults, or grown-ups, as I was going to say, they're all feeling this at the intrinsic bottom of themselves. They all have the fear of not being important to this world, and not being seen, and not being heard. And my heart passion is really allowing them to express themselves in such a way that they are heard, not only by the world, but they are heard by themselves, that they hear themselves for what they truly are. And when they realize that, and when they're able to express that, that really makes my heart sing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think you you bring up a really good point about a lot of people having this fear of not being important within the world. And and I think a lot of it comes down to, uh, we were talking about this a little bit earlier in our conversation, about the intention that, that we lead with in, in our work or, or in our personal lives, whatever it may be. I feel like a lot of what you were just talking to ties in a little bit with your upcoming book, Dancing with Your Muse. I would love, I, first of all, I love the title of it. I, I would love for you to talk a little bit about your book. Well, what, what is this about and, and what could people expect in reading it? Well, this book was rolling around my mind for um, really pretty many years, just listening to a lot of the pain of my students and my clients. And I wrote the book during the first uh, year of COVID, 
because I thought if I don't write it now, I'm not going to be writing it. And I really wanted to stress the fears that so many of us have and to talk about them in detail in the form of essays. There's about 30 essays in this book, Dancing with Your Muse. And it really talks about dancing with your creativity, not being afraid to take that invitation to the dance, not being afraid to go forth and to fall and to stumble, but to keep dancing with your creativity and your potential, and not to let the myriad fears which we all experience stop you from going forth and having such a nutritiously enriched life by dint of your own emotional and creative output. That was a lot of words, but <laughs> I was trying to get it all out there. So this book is is a real just invitation and presentation of what a person can expect when they are able to peel off the fears that are keeping them from moving forward. And, it, and we're not talking about big careers here. We're talking about the day-to-day -day activities which make you happy and which give you joy and expression to your life. You don't need to be a famous world's artist in whatever you're doing. You simply need to enjoy getting up every day and expressing what's inside of you without letting you or someone else stop you. And that I felt was crucial not only to your artist and not only to your everyday layman, but to uh, business people as well. This is not just for the artist. This is for everyone who wants to get in touch with their creativity in whatever form it wants to be presented. Right. I think it's safe to say that a lot of people could definitely benefit from what you're talking about in this book. I love how you were discussing about dancing with your creative creativity and potential because it really is a dance in a lot of ways. We're, we're always trying to, to navigate and kind of move uh, swiftly and, and, you know, have, have a sort of rhythm within our lives or like find that rhythm so that then we fall into a dance. I, I really love how you put that and, and how it's just so applicable to, to many people in, in many different industries. Uh, I'm wondering with that said, how you believe, uh, we as a society can better relate to one another. When you allow yourself to be creative, when you allow yourself, your right brain to think in a certain manner, that is what affects not only you, but everyone around you. And it lets other people also express themselves. And it's a very hot topic in business right now, creativity, because they are beginning to realize that if you want the bottom line to be successful, there's a whole realm of being which they haven't taken advantage of before. And this is the innate creativity of the people that are working within the organizations. So it's not just for oneself. It's allowing everyone around us to also express what is intrinsically theirs and which becomes ours as a society when we accept it. Absolutely. Jilda, this <laughs> this is amazing. I feel like, you know, even just in this conversation today, I, I've learned so much on on how to approach 
not only my art, but also my life as well. So I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to to join us on the Relate podcast. And not only for taking the time uh, to be on the show, but also I, I really appreciate the work that you do. You're helping so many people uh, overcome that fear and stress that we talked about earlier to really uh, lean into their creativity, to to lean into their their fire, that that thing that that fuels them and gives them the energy to to live a fulfilling life. And so so thank you so much. But before we part ways, I'm just wondering if you could share with our listeners where they could find out more information about you and your work, and and also where they could find out information about getting your upcoming book. Oh, thank you, Patrick. Well, there's the main place they can find out about me and my book. If they go to performermindset.com, they can get actually the first chapter of my book for free. It's a little taste tease. And then they can find out more about the kinds of work that I'm doing on my website. And as far as what I do also, they can also just find me on LinkedIn. So those two places, performermindset.com and LinkedIn, are basically where people can find me. Perfect. Well, I'll be sure to include those links within our show notes. So listeners out there, all you have to do is scroll down in those show notes, click those various links and resources. Highly recommend checking out Performer uh, Mindset as well. There's a lot of great information on there. Uh, So please be sure to check it out. Jilda, again, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to join us on the show. Thank you so much, Patrick. I so much enjoyed speaking with you. I really can't even say it enough. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Relate. You can let me know your thoughts on this episode by going to Apple Podcasts and leaving me a review. Or if you have the Anchor app, feel free to call in and leave a voicemail. I would love to hear from you. You can support this podcast by clicking the link in the show notes. Thank you so much again for tuning in, and I'll catch you all in the next episode.